Bible Bantaridonians is Luke and myself. He's back from suspension. You know, it's funny, man. So we're talking, you know, last week we we're making the joke that you were suspended from the podcast. Mm. And um, my my family was was listening or watching, whatever they do. And uh, my son was telling me how you got suspended. And and they were there were, you know, floating ideas out there at home why you got suspended. And it was kind of funny. I imagine you're not going to share those ideas publicly. <laughs> no, no. Well, I had you gotten had you gotten on more than ten seconds ago, I would have shared those uh, lo- those things with you. I, I, I'm sure we will uh, laugh about it later. <laughs> but- so, so Luke, um, nothing's really going on in the world right now. Like, there's not really much to talk about. Um, you know, I think I, today's going to be a short podcast. I think. Uh, it's funny because the first part of what you just said is so not true, but the second part might be, cause I think we've decided for now to stay out of the fray in terms of the madness going on. Yeah. There's too much madness. We are here. The reason we really started the show was to give people some Christ focused in honoring, uh, discussions and bring right. joy to people's lives. That's why we started because COVID was really sucking, really draining the life of people. We wanted to give Give some happiness and joy to the world. And that's what we're doing. And maybe a little maybe a little truth mixed in there too. I hope. I hope that's that's the Bible part of, of the title of our show, Bible and Panther. So uh oh hey, if you're watching, which I'm seeing there's only two people watching right now, go ahead, give a like and a share, please. Yes, really especially help. especially because we're at our new time. I think people got really used to two o'clock. And yeah. now we're on an hour early. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's a good reason. So, um, so Luke, let's get into, we got a few things and I'm going to change things up and we didn't really get the, get the chance to talk about this before coming on air, because again, I want to reiterate, you showed up 30 seconds prior to us going on air. Hold so, on. Hold on. That's <laughs> not entirely true. I showed up it's 10 not. minutes. I showed up 10 minutes before. Oh, my new no, setup, you did not show up 10 minutes before. Which, I was which, on five minutes before and sent you a text message. It was like, hey, man, where are you at? All right. So four minutes before, which is basically 10. And uh, not even close. With, my, with my new setup, which I was real pumped about, and uh, the new setup flopped. So hardcore. It, it Yeah, it did not it did not work at all. So we're back. We're back to the old setup, which is better than no setup. This is true. That's true. All right, uh, I'll give you that. So we're going to cover um, stuff that's new. Okay. We're going to share some funny headlines and I'll get into that once we get to that point. And then uh, what's in the word, which is what we have been doing for a while. And then we'll get into our topic of discussion. And our topic of discussion is one that I think is going to be really interesting because it's not something that we talk enough about or when we do, uh, it's in the context of really poorly written songs. Like... Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, his work, and, and all that entails. So, Luke, what's new with you, man? Well, 
I'm trying to think. Have I already announced on formally on the show what's going on with my family? I don't know if I've done that yet. I don't think uh, that you have. I know you have. You know, you've mentioned that you, that um, your wife's pregnant. But okay, yeah. Well, I yeah. I guess I guess that happened. That happened less than two weeks ago. So I should share that on the show. So we found out about. Gosh, I guess it was ten days ago that baby Copeland has a congenital defect called duodenal atresia, which is the fancy doctor way of saying that her stomach and her intestines are not properly connected. And that's going to mean after birth, there will be surgery, and then there will be many weeks in the NICU. Uh, It was devastating to find that out, but I can honestly say in the time since that revelation, there's also been a lot of good news I mean, just finding out uh, we're 90 minutes away from like one of the best hospitals in the country for this Mm -hmm. with one of the best doctors in the country who just so happened to be available. uh, And some percentage of the time this comes with congenital heart defects. And in our case, it doesn't. So it's been a really awful couple weeks, but already... The Lord's been really good, uh, and there's a lot for us to be thankful for. So mm-hmm. that's what's new, is uh, our baby, who's okay for now, is going to have to have major surgery within a couple days of being born. And you guys are certainly welcome to pray for us in the coming months. Absolutely, absolutely. And... We will be, and you shared that in a pastor's group that we're a part of, so I appreciate that, and mm-hmm. glad you have people around you to surround you in love and care and prayers, so that's good. We have, well, I'll tell you what, we have, an, we have amazing support. I mean, uh, these people would jump off a bridge if they thought that it would make our, our life a little bit easier. Right now, mm-hmm. there's nothing they can do, but just the fact that so many have made themselves available has been humbling. Mm-hmm. That's good. What's new with you? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm I'm nursing a hockey injury, so there's that. Oh. Uh, it's been bothering me for about a month. I uh, took a took a uh, ran into a guy. We kind of collided and hit my shoulder, and I think I strained uh, some ligaments or something in my in my shoulder. So this week, I'm finally taking a week off of not playing hockey to give it give it a break and hopefully heal. I guess I I don't heal as quickly at 33 as I did at, you know, 24, <laughs> 25. So, so I'm nursing that back to health and, and I'm also, uh, I'm kind of changing up how, uh, how I'm approaching the sermon, um, this oh. week. So that's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you, I'll let you know how that goes next, next, uh, next week. You're not going to tell us so. what you're doing. So I am changing up from my understanding, I'm a novice at not only preaching, but this type of method. So it's no change to the expository preaching, right? Making the main point, the main point, making the message, the message, right? Um, But I am, instead of what many pastors do and what I've done for a number of years now, which is preaching deductively, essentially making a statement and then trying to um, support it 
you know, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm proposing a question that arises in the text and then seeking to answer that question. So it's meant to be something that is, it's still text driven. It's still expository preaching driven, but it's meant to be a little bit more interactive or, yeah. or to keep people kind of um, engaged. So that's, that's what I'm going to try. That's interesting. Cause that's actually the way that I was taught to preach, which is not to say that I always do it that way, but mm-hmm. that that's sort of my default just because of the, the uh, type of training that I had. So that's interesting that you were yeah. sort of trained deductively. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited for it. So mm. next, uh, we got some funny headlines, man. So this is what we're going to do. I found some funny headlines and I'm going to read the headlines and then I want you to make up a story or just comment on what you think might've happened in this instance. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. I know that's why I chose it. <laughs> so here is the first one. Man allegedly hid from coronavirus and authorities in Chicago airport for three months. <laughs> wow you have to read that again okay man allegedly hid from coronavirus and authorities in chicago airport for three months um sounds like the plot of that tom hanks movie where he gets stuck in the airport there's a wait there's a tom hanks movie where he yeah gets stuck yeah in the, the ter- terminal the terminal so i've not uh, seen it so apparent apparently um tom hanks is now acting out his movies in real life <laughs> uh, this guy, there's a picture of him, looks nothing like Tom Hanks. Oh, but he's got I, an epic beard. Well, I mean, he had Hanks had one in Castaway. Maybe he grew it back. So I haven't read the story, so I have no idea like what actually happened, how this guy was getting food and all that. But apparently, that's illegal. I think he was just trying to social distance. I mean, to me, I don't think how you really, you know, make you know put the guy in, in jail for doing you know he's staying put. You know, he's concerned about the coronavirus. He really, he really uh, took that stay-at-home order seriously. <laughs> he did, man. Uh, hey, Luke, here's the next one. Instead of throwing out your Christmas tree, why not eat it? <laughs> <laughs> I can only assume that this is from a, uh, a newspaper for a reindeer. I I wonder, like, I haven't read the article again. I, I haven't re- read any of these articles, but I'm just curious, like, how do you eat the Christmas tree? Do you like chop it up, saute it? Do you fry it? Apparently you can get an air fryer now, which I don't know if that's a new thing, kind of like an Instapot. Like, I, I don't know, but apparently that's a healthy way of frying food, uh, well, which I didn't even know was possible. I could be mistaken, but I think reindeers have multiple stomachs, so there's less need for cooking. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But I don't think that's what they're talking about. Like, I think they want you to eat your Christmas tree. I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that is an article from a paper written for reindeer to read. Okay. Well, I don't, can reindeer, I mean, we don't believe in Santa Claus or flying reindeer. So you don't either. So I don't, you know. It it brings a new meaning to the idea of digesting your news. (laughs) But boom. Uh, Connecticut dad says his daughter had her heart and her car stolen. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the end of the headline? That's it. That's wait, it. wait, read that again. <laughs> Connecticut dad says his daughter had her heart and her car stolen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> I feel like there's a so, joke in here somewhere about uh, 
about people stealing organs, but I can't I can't fit it in somehow. So here's like the first two lines that show up like when it previews the article. It says a woman in South Windsor, Windsor, meaning Connecticut, had been dating her boyfriend for a few months. He'd won over her family. Just after Christmas, her dad says the guy swiped keys, drove off, and didn't come back. Yeah, this is why you don't trust men from Rhode Island or Connecticut. The ones in the rest of the of, of New England are okay, but those those weird little states on the bottom, they're not don't trust those guys. Everybody else is a bit shady. How about this one? Octopuses. Now this one comes with a video. Octopuses, and I thought the I thought the plural of octopus was octopi. Maybe and, I'm and wrong. I'm, in a moment after you read this headline, I'm gonna blow your mind. Continue. Okay. Octopuses punch fish sometimes for no apparent reason. <laughs> All right. First, mind-blowing fact. The plural for octopus can properly be octopuses, octopi, or octopodes. All really? Of, all three That's forms, something you get when you when you are valedictorian, right? All, all three forms are grammatically acceptable. Uh, <laughs> read that headline again. Oct octopuses punch fish sometimes for no apparent reason <laughs> so the thing i need to know is if the sometimes refers to the punching or to the no apparent reason so is the issue that sometimes octopus punch fish for no apparent reason or is it that octopus regularly punch fish but sometimes it's for no apparent reason that's a very different story I kind of want to skip like everything that we do for the rest of the show and just talk about these headlines. <laughs> Here's the next one. Teacher gets students attention with fart noise prank. Read that again. Teacher gets students attention with fart noise prank. I, I don't think I can make that headline any better. I don't. I have no way of improving upon that. How about this next one? The real Santa Claus won't get tangled up in power lines. <laughs> uh, I think I think uh, anyone who allegedly is omniscient and in one night is able to be omnipresent is going to have some serious issues with power, whether it's in a line or uh, or a, a system or a hierarchy. So I don't believe that. Santa's got all kinds of power problems. I'm trying to find um, <clears throat> trying to find more. Uh, <laughs> this one, this one to me was my favorite that I read. Okay, North Korean former gymnast fled to South Korea by jumping fence. <laughs> <laughs> the question is how many spins did she do as she jumped it was an unnamed man that defected to south uh to the south on november I, 3rd i think the only response uh, the only appropriate response to that is 8.5 out of 10 like do you just is this literally one of those moments where you go i've been training for this my whole life <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad that uh, I, I have a partner on this show who will allow me to make jokes about a horrible dictatorship and the people escaping it. This is that I really do belong here. Onlookers were wrong about the UFO. It was a flying superhero. 
That's a news article? Yes! For what? For like a tabloid? I don't know. It doesn't say from who. But I'm on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> it, so it sounds like um, Alex Jones's latest conspiracy theory. Mm, that'd be the, a good one. The, the aliens are actually just uh, superhuman. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. I'm trying to find more. Let's do let's do two more. Okay. Uh you're working. I think too I'm, hard I'm, I'm coming to the end of I'm coming to the end. One, one more. One more. You can do it. Um Poland accidentally invades Czech Republic in minor misunderstanding. <laughs> you saved the best for last. <laughs> I have I have a story that that from my time in the army that goes along these lines, but I can't share it publicly. I'll oh, tell man. you off air. Why you gotta Why you gotta tease us like that? Okay, read the headline again, and then I'm, I'm gonna make my best joke yet. We're gonna close. We're gonna close on a real a real cloud a crowd pleaser here. Poland accidentally invades Czech Republic in minor misunderstanding. And the minor misunderstanding is that the Czech Republic thought that they owned their own land, when in reality, uh, it's always belonged to Poland. See World War II. I thought it always belonged to Russia, to the Soviets. Well, I mean, back then, was there a difference? I don't know. What do you mean back then? Back when? Back in no, World I, War II? I just, I just referenced World oh. War II. Come on, man. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna make a, a joke with that much historical value, you gotta pay attention to the details. That was that was Sorry, that was a winner right there, and you missed it. So tell me, Luke, what's in the word? What what has God been teaching you through your study of his word? I'm gonna go a little bit different direction today because you so far I've always sort of shared something that I that I understood. And instead, today, I'm going to share a question that someone asked me today that I'm wrestling with. Okay. So it's about the relationship between the devil and the Christ. I, and I don't know why, because I've never really thought critically about this. For some reason, I have sort of, for as long as I can remember having any thoughts about it, thought of the devil as being clueless regarding what Christ was accomplishing um, through his death. Like I always sort of thought of it as the devil thinks he's winning, but really clever Jesus is, is fooling him. And then uh, someone suggested to me this morning that like, no, actually uh, the devil knew exactly what the son of God had come to do, which is why he tried so hard uh, in, in tempting him to prevent him from that, that end goal. Mm -hmm. And I've never thought critically about that. So I don't have like, I can't say confidently, yes, I think that person's right to see these biblical passages, but it's sort of challenging, just an assumption that I didn't even know I had. So that's been interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for revealing your ignorance, Luke. Appreciate it. <laughs> do you, do you agree <laughs> with this other person? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of okay. just thought that was, I mean, he was also pro he was also promised in the garden um that you know when when that he would be crushed right by the seat of adam yeah but i'll, I'll hold up joshua rice you listened 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Josh wins the comment section today. I used to love that song. <laughs> And that might actually be exactly where my theological understanding of this comes from. So I don't know that I've listened ever listened to Carmen, and I should because I like I like Christian rap. Out of mm -hmm. all the genres of Christian music, Christian rap, the good there is some bad and some good, mm -hmm. but the good Christian rap I really enjoy, and I've heard Carmen's good. At least they talk about him all the time on um, the Babylon B podcast. So I guess I gotta uh, listen. Let me ask. Let me ask you this: Do you like hip hop? from before like 95 1995 yes okay then you I, will I enjoy, like yeah you will enjoy yeah. carmen he's very yeah. much that old school hip-hop vibe yeah i like the old school hip-hop so the hippity hop so I, 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 josh josh rice really is blowing my mind because the more i think about this the more i really think my understanding of that particular theological issue might have been based in a song that I loved as a kid. <laughs> but isn't that like how we how we understand a lot of things? It's largely by the music that we listen to. So because yeah. it, music is can be the greatest benefit to Christian discipleship and growing in Christ, or it can be the biggest detractor, right? Which yeah. is my concern with a lot of bands like Bethel, Hillsong, and a few others. They're so popular, but like you, you know, it's like the the exception to their music is good. But most of their music's actually really bad if you listen to it. Like it's just it's not it's not deep. It's either untrue or half true. Um, so that's you know I try to stay clear of, of some of that stuff. Yeah, I you know I, I think this is just the reality of music because it's such an emotionally powerful tool. It tends to let your guard down, whether mm -hmm. or not you're aware of it, and that makes it very important that you're thinking critically about the words of anything that you're listening to. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you're you're very, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but I think you're very vulnerable when you're listening to music that you really like. Mm -hmm. I agree. I concur. What's the, the word? What's the word, e dog? So I guess I guess I don't have anything specifically from my Bible reading, um, but I have been reading slowly but surely, just a little bit every day, the most recent biography on Herman Bavick who is one of the greatest theologians of the last, you know, few hundred years, um, Dutch guy. Uh, he actually, I got his, actually, I don't think you can see it, but I got his four volume systematic theology that should be in every pastor's library, um, except for Luke's because he doesn't read. So it would just go wasted, but um, <laughs> I'm sorry. And some of those are Bibles behind you anyway. Um, so I've been reading, I've been reading the biography by James Eglinton, who is a uh, professor at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing how it, it's interesting to see how Bavink grew but stayed in his convictions and went to universities and schools in which he could not disagree more theologically. And how God kept him in the faith despite having incredibly intelligent professors who even in the school of theology were modernist in their view. So, um, you know, and that's where the big split or a couple of big splits happened with the Reformed Church in, in the Netherlands. Uh, Eric, you are exactly the kind of person who, when being asked the question, what's in the word, would then cite someone else's experiences. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> 
What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> I think you and I just have different understandings of what this section is for. Uh, I also, you'll have to forgive me. I wasn't listening very well because I well, was so good. busy. So you don't. Reading. So how would you? I was so, how so would you busy reading from Strong's exhaustive concordance on the word half because I read so much. Hey, can I? Can I give you an unpopular opinion? <laughs> what other kinds do you have? Strong's concordance. Uh huh. Is not. It, it's overrated. How dare yeah. you? How dare you? Yeah. If if I if if you weren't the one hosting, I would tell you to get out. <laughs> well, I can say I think concordances can be helpful, but I think some people treat them as though they are divinely inspired. <laughs> Almost like people who who treat the biographies of uh, uh, European theologians as divinely inspired. Well, how did I? Word? How, well, I was okay. Whatever. <clears throat> no, I do not think his his experiences are divinely inspired, but it is inspiring to hear his perseverance in the midst of a modernist uh, uh, culture. Yeah. All right. Next time, Mike, me, Mike says the reason Mike says the reason I think it's overrated is because I have trouble spelling concordance. Oh man, Bickford with the puns today, strong. I mean, I'd like to hear. I'd I'd like to hear what our foremost theologians, Bickford and Mike Alex, have to say about, about strongest what? concordance. About strongest concordance. I bet you. We, I bet you they. I bet you they've read at least a little bit of Bavink. Can I? Can I be really honest for a moment? No. So I've actually never opened this because I have this thing called the internet, and I have access to a bunch of commentaries and concordances at a click. So I, I have, there's no reason I've ever had Wait, to you use open source commentaries. Sure. Yeah. Which open source commentaries? Uh, it depends on which ones are, are offering anything helpful in any particular section. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm totally going to judge it. Cause I, cause honestly I had, Mike says he's not red Bavink. Okay. Well, I know what I'm getting him for Christmas. Um, the, what is it going to say? Oh, open source commenters, you don't know their, you know, do you look into who's writing them or how how um how other scholars view those commentaries? No, no. Nothing like that. Oh man. I'm trying to Before find I, I have I have an actual I'm in Corinthians right now and I have an actual like a book, a commentary that I use that's uh -huh. really good. But yeah, I don't know. For me, <sighs> I know what it is that I'm looking for when I go to a commentary. And so there are lots of open source commentaries that are awful, but I feel like I'm pretty good at reading a few sentences and going, yeah, this is not, this is not going to help me understand anything in this passage. Yeah. I usually consult somewhere between, I don't know, two and seven commentaries on each passage that I'm preaching on every week. Yeah. Well, that's mostly great. because I'm mostly because I'm an idiot. And I don't know enough, right? Like, <laughs> I don't. So I don't I think. I don't think it's an issue of of uh, uh, commentaries are only for people who who aren't smart. I think they can. I think they can be really helpful. In fact, in some ways, the the smartest people probably need more of those resources so that they're not. I, I think. I think really intelligent preachers are really good at being really clever. And that's not necessarily a good thing when it comes to teaching. If you have like uh, some brand new clever interpretation or application, it's probably wrong. 
but no, the re- the reason I don't I don't use tons of commentaries is not because I know it all. It's more because uh, th- this isn't the subject of today. I'm trying to remember if we've ever talked about this before. I just don't. Mo- most good commentaries end up going theological, and that's just not that's not what I'm looking for when I'm reading a commentary. I want information on history, culture, original language. I'm not really interested in reading someone else's interpretation. Uh, I, I know that that's something you might strongly disagree with, but that's just not what I'm looking for when I'm preparing. Well, I guess when I, so I like background commentaries the best mm-hmm. um, because I'm not familiar with the old Testament background. You know, I'm, I didn't live there And the same thing with the new Testament background, like, which is closer to today. It's just harder to get yourself into what the original meaning is if you don't know the historical and, and uh, context of, of what's going on there. So, so I agree with you on that, but a lot of these commentaries, man, the best ones are the ones who get into what is it in the original language? What are some things yes. that you don't use? So like it, it can bring up, Hey, this might not be the best translation for this word. And this is why, right? Yeah. Yeah. This, there is no way to properly translate this Greek or Hebrew word without it being, you know, without explaining it for 10 or 15 words. So I, I find them to be uh, critical. critical. I I hate, I hate to do this to Mike Alex because I'm such a fan of his comments game, but I think Josh Rice might dethrone him today. Well, it sounds like Eric has made, made concordance as Goliath and he needs to claim some victory there. (laughs) There's so many layers to that one. Oh my goodness! That particular uh, comment is like an onion. Uh, let's can we just avoid that comment? Can we like <laughs> this would take the rest of our show just to unpack Josh's one comment, uh, one sentence with one comma. That's it. Enough to enough to derail the show. Thanks, Josh. You know, speaking of derailing the show, we've not gotten to our subject today. <laughs> Well, just just like I wrote in a seminary paper, I was, I was rereading it today, and it was on the Holy Spirit, or part of it was. It was actually on the Trinity. Um, and the section on the Holy Spirit, <laughs> I mentioned in the paper how the Holy Spirit is the most neglected whenever we study the scriptures and um, and the three persons of God. And when I was looking at my paper, oddly enough, it was the shortest section as well of that paper. Was on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, we'll um. Here, I'll, I'll let I'll let you. Lie. I was about I was about to go right into the weeds. I'll let you ease us into the subject. Okay. Well, I, I like Mike's comment. His five smooth stones are John Calvin, Herman Bavink, Babylon B podcast, lexicons, and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit, which I think uh, so. So we're going to have to really unpack quite a bit with the Holy Spirit. Right. Because I think a lot of people misunderstand the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one person of the Trinity that I think is most easily misunderstood uh, unless you're an Advent Christian. And then that's probably Jesus and his nature. However, I digress. Um it is the Holy Spirit. I think this is apparent when people refer to the Holy Spirit as a thing or it rather than a person as he mm-hmm. or him. Uh, the Holy Spirit has personal pronouns. Yeah. He, him. Um, well, what the, the first thing I wanted to say was that I think the Holy Spirit is probably. So you mentioned you mentioned um, your paper having like the sort of section on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. This is actually true, I think, of most creeds and confessions. 
And while there, while there's certainly, there are certainly many biblical references about the Holy Spirit, and there are essential basic things that we need, that we need to understand about him that we can understand from scripture. I think it is fair to say that the Bible probably, he's probably the, the person of the Trinity that the Bible says the least about in terms of detail. We have, we have some very important essential things to understand his nature, his purpose and function, but we know way more about the person, certainly of the son. And I would say even of the father than we do of the spirit. And I think mm-hmm. because of that, which I'm sure was, is intentional on, on the Holy Spirit's part, having inspired the scriptures. I think because of that, most of our knowledge about the Holy Spirit, rather than coming from scripture, comes from culture, songs, or our favorite speakers or authors. There are well, a lot can... of things that we claim to know about the Holy Spirit that simply are not present in scripture. And you could say the same thing about like angels and demons, I think, where mm-hmm. the, the scriptures are not specific on a lot of details with angels and demons, but mm-hmm. somehow we have folks that major on, on angels and demons. I had, I don't know if I, did I share this story on the podcast before about how someone quoted or, or referenced a book that Billy Graham wrote about angels No, and they were saying like, Oh, you know, cause it came up in a Bible study and, or I think someone had a question in that I forget exactly what happened, but I'll tell you how I responded is that someone mentioned angels and said, well, I've always viewed angels as like someone who, you know, an angel can come down and lift a car off a person. Like these types of things happen all the time. And I said, Oh, who wrote that? Or, you know, where did you hear that? You know? And, and they said, well, it was in Billy Graham's book and they listed the title of the book. And I said, well, no one's ever accused Billy Graham of being a theologian. And dude, <laughs> you could hear a pin drop, man. I was only at my church like three, three or four months. And I thought I was going to get ran out. after that. <laughs> Everybody was really gracious. And the next week, like we unpacked what the Bible says about angels. And I brought in like yeah. a bunch of systematic theologies, what they had to say. And oddly enough, like I have five systeos between my, between what I have on my bookshelves and in my Logos Bible software. And I printed it all out, made copies for everyone. And it amounted to maybe five or six pages total. Wow. And I said, and I said, this is, and and I'm not saying like, I'm not saying angels can't do that. Right. I'm saying you don't see that in script. Like we don't necessarily see that in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, but we don't know for sure. So let's, let's, you know, chain let's uh draw a line in what the scriptures say and what maybe the implications are from that like right what, right you know what what do we draw from that how how could god act in that way through through angels but with the holy spirit i think in very in in other similar ways so i think when you talk about the holy spirit right to get to know who he is you have to know what he does so right. you can't separate what he does from who he is because that's how the scriptures speak about the holy spirit Mm-hmm. It's very much, and we see the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1-2, right? So we see the creation and formation of the world. And it and if we look at creation, it's a very Trinitarian work, which is why you can't, you, you, to suggest that Jesus is not pre-existent is to deny Jesus. Jesus says to deny him is to deny the Father. And I would say the same, to deny the Holy Spirit is to deny, to d- deny any person of the Trinity is to deny all of God. 
So we see God working in the Trinity at creation. So we see that that God the Father is the architect of all creation. We see that um, God the Son is the is by whom all has been created through. And then we see that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, is forming the earth. Pause. And, pause. Uh, yes. uh, everything you're saying is great. Can we throw out some references just in case someone listening might not know it? So Genesis. So look very at, specific passages. So look at Genesis one and John one. Genesis 1, John 1. Look at those two chapters and, and you'll but see you exactly also, what I'm talking about. You also referenced, I can't remember if it's Colossians or Corinthians, where, where Paul says the Father by whom all things are created and his Son mm-hmm. through whom. That would, You use that language very specifically. Yeah. Is that yeah. Colossians? Yes. It might be. Let me it check. might be. Yeah. I think it's um, important enough to check. You can, you can keep talking. I'm just going to. Yeah. So Palma makes a very good or asks a very good question. Since Holy since Holy Spirit should be called He Him, uh, and I and I'm sorry that we sound like we're woke by saying He Him or or personal pronouns. That's not what we we're not we're not hashtag woke in that way, right? Like we're um, we're just saying like this is how we should refer to the Holy Spirit. She says, shouldn't we avoid saying the Holy Spirit? It seems to take away from Him being a person. We don't say the Jesus. I think I think Palma makes a point. However, I'll push back just gently saying that we do refer to Jesus as the sons, right? So we say God the Father and God the Son. So I don't necessarily think it's inappropriate to say the Holy Spirit, but I do see how you or anybody else can say, well, maybe it's just better to refer to him as Holy Spirit because then it really makes it a little bit more personal. I, I don't know. I'll let you guys t- decide on that one. Um, did you, did you find it, Luke? I did. It is. It's in Colossians one. Uh, I think it's 15 and 16 or 16 and 17, where specifically Paul says, uh, by uh, the father, by whom all things were created. And then references the son through whom all things were created. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a beautiful picture, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't, so again, I don't know for those who reject the preexistence of Christ, like, I don't know what you do with that passage. I don't know what you do with John one other than using a translation that says, um, that uh, says something a little bit differently. But Eric, you're revealing, uh, I think a little bit of your ignorance of the variety or actually not ignorance. I know you're aware of this. You're not, you're not <laughs> acknowledging the variety of, uh, of, uh, people who deny the preexistence of Christ. Cause there are some people who will, who will acknowledge that Christ preexisted his incarnation. They just won't say that he was eternal. So the argument is that Christ and they'll even pick out a passage where it says he's the firstborn of all creation. They'll just say he was the first creation of God through whom everything else mm-hmm. was made. Well, I know you're a big, big fan of all the heresy. Luke. <laughs> I'm, so, just familiar, I'm just familiar with it. That doesn't mean I like it. So I got a couple of resources that I thought we could use. So um, actually my, my most recent book talks um, in the chapter on the being of God. Um, I say this about the Holy Spirit. I say, God, the Holy Spirit is the one whom Jesus sent as a helper that indwells all believers. He teaches, he and leads Christ followers. The Spirit convicts of sin, intercedes for those who believe, and regenerates those whom the Father has chosen so that they will respond in faith and repentance, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is in cooperation with the Holy Spirit that believers can better understand and study God's word. The Holy Spirit endows believers with specific gifts to serve God and serve the church. Hmm. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
we've got we've got some interesting comments here to try to start dealing with. Pama, I don't think there's anything wrong with your Baptist pastor friend. I would just say that there are many places where the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit. And so if the scriptures do it, I think it's probably okay if we do. Uh, do we want to try to take on the Philly okay? I don't know uh, if uh, Bickford was saying that as a joke or a legitimate question. Did you notice earlier he says, uh, does the Holy Spirit proceed, fr proceed from the Father and Son or just the Father? And I guess we should explain for those who might not catch that reference. Uh, there was a huge controversy. Is this, um, is this the one that eventually... Well, at least was I don't know if it was the actual reason, but it was, it was a big it was a, it was a big contention between um, the the Western Church and the Eastern Church. In, yes, in, in yes. Church there were there was there was a big theological argument as to whether the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, or just from the Father. Uh, I don't necessarily get into that whole argument because I think this is one of those places where the Scripture doesn't clearly say. It, it well, I do says, think the scriptures clearly say, Luke. I mean, where, Jesus where, he sends the Holy Spirit. Right, but I'm not sure if that's what they mean by proceeds. Isn't that more of like, uh, what's the term? What's the fancy term for, for the nature of being? Etymological? Ontological? Ontological, thank you. Isn't that more of an ontological statement? Maybe I've misunderstood that term proceed in, the, in those old creeds. Does it yes, just mean no, that he's sent, or does it mean that his nature actually proceeds from? No, it does not. From my understanding, okay. it does not. Okay. To his nature, but his his um, functional subordination, right? So oh, okay. again, again, we're talking about. Um, yeah, well, all we're talking about is is him being sent. Then I agree with you. Scripture speaks plainly to that. Right. So again, all three persons of the Trinity are co-equal. Um, they are of the same subsistence. They are homoousius, not hom homoiousius, right? So of the same su substance, of one substance. Um, but in the economy of the Trinity, um, there is, you know, that they are different economically, meaning that they have different roles. Mm -hmm. uh, so with that, I also brought up the Heidelberg catechism and in question 53, which is under Lord's day 20, the question is, what do you believe concerning the Holy spirit? Mm. First, that the Holy spirit with the father and the son is eternal God. Second, that he has given also to me so that through faith he makes me share in Christ and all his benefits comfort me and will remain with me forever. Hmm. Man, that's great comfort, man. You're, the Holy Spirit is your comfort. He is, he is the comforter who, who, who surrounds you or, or, uh, or comforts you with the presence of God. He indwells you. He applies the redemptive work of Christ. He, he informs you. He gives you wisdom. He strengthens you. I mean, the Holy Spirit is, man. Uh, it's interesting. All the things that you're saying about the Holy Spirit, they're all action words, which points to um, Mike makes a really good remark a little bit earlier. He says, we see the actions of the Holy Spirit are more apparent in the scripture as opposed to direct teaching about him. Mm -hmm. And while it's certainly not the case that you should use your experiences, your personal experiences to construct theology, biblically speaking, much of our understanding of the Holy Spirit actually comes from descriptions of his action right. as opposed to statements about uh, him personally. Right. Yeah. Bingo, bingo, man. You're right on top of it. So I'm trying to decide. There's there's a there's a couple little a little 
controversies I can sort of throw at you um, that, that may help us to, to flesh out a little bit of this idea of understanding who the Holy Spirit is. And I'm trying to decide how many of them I'd like to try to, uh, to tackle. Yeah, you know, we'll go. Let's just go for it. We'll just go for it. And if you think this is too far left field, I know you'll bring us back to center. Okay. So one of the, one of the things that's always confounded me, uh, and this could betray in a moment, I might betray a terrible misunderstanding of Revelation four and five. So <laughs> you may have a chance to correct me on that as well. Um, I have always understood Revelation four and, and Revelation four and five that the the one sitting on the throne is the father and the lamb looking as if it had been slain as the son. I know there are some people who actually interpret both of those, you know, uh, and it's hard because revelation is all symbolism uh, as the son, but that's, that's been my understanding of it. And if that's the case, it has always been interesting to me that the, the Holy spirit, does not receive and that's not that's that's like the the big obvious place i go but really in the rest of scripture i'm not aware of anywhere that the holy spirit directly receives worship in the same way that the father and the son do which is not to say that i think he's in some way inferior or less than but i've just never observed that in in my study of scripture yeah so let's let's take let's walk this or let me take this angle with it right so mm-hmm. um j- Jesus says, if you honor him, you honor who? The father, right? right. Like he, like Jesus came and in, in his uh, coming, right? In his humiliation, he exalts the father. So I think it would, um, it would be plain to see how the work of the Holy Spirit does the same thing for the son and the father, right? The, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit reveals Christ's glory and thereby revealing the father's glory. Um, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Or well, I guess, I guess the question was, are you aware of anywhere in scripture where we actually see the Holy Spirit worshiped in the same way that we see the father and the son clearly worshiped? I don't know that we do. Hmm. Um, Just so another, here, it's another great example of where this not now, I don't think that's an argument to say for, for people who would then try to suggest that the Holy Spirit is in some way, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a, a, that that he's not co-equal in the way that we would describe right. Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit's but, role is to reveal Christ, to reveal God's glory, and is to, uh, in in the presence of God's people, lift their prayers and their voices to the Lord. That's hmm. that's his role, right? So right. it actually goes to something Mike just shared a little bit. But there are a couple of questions, right? So yep. First, talk about Bethel and Phil Johnson. That's not really a question, but talk about Bethel and Phil Johnson's crew, please. And then Nathaniel Pickford, is it okay to pray to the Holy Spirit? So, how about this? How about this? Instead of just talking about Bethel and Phil Johnson, why don't we spend a few minutes talking about common misconceptions of the Holy Spirit? Because as egregious as that particular group is, they are not alone in their bizarre interpretations. So maybe no, but they, are, they are the extreme version, I think like, because there are charismatic, oh, Eric, you've, you've I know, in, I, I know charismatic who, who reject the Bethel church, right? Like that, like oh, what sure. Bethel church and what, what Phil Johnson does, not Phil Johnson, it's Bill Johnson, Bill Phil Johnson. Johnson, Phil Johnson is, uh, is, uh, the lackey for John MacArthur. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's, that's a little harsh. I don't know if he's a lackey. I mean, 
It's hard to disagree, I suppose. <laughs> Phil, Phil Johnson is like the equivalent to you, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, um, does that does that mean I get to start speaking on your behalf in public? Listen, there are there's only there are very few people who I would co-sign absolutely everything that they would say without without hesitation. Luke, you're not one of them. Um, I, I, I appreciate Bix for jumping in and making my point for me. I, I mean, I'm not going to be defending uh, Phil Johnson or Bethel Church today, but if you think that's the extreme end of the spectrum, then you well, got to get more Pentecostal like, churches. My, my, you have to understand my own personal like journey in the faith, right? So I wasn't in the church really until I was in my early 20s. And then... So then I'm in a church and it wasn't like overly charismatic, like with it wasn't like speaking in tongues or anything like I wasn't exposed to any of that. That's just something like I saw on YouTube videos and was like, I thought, what's wrong with these people? Right. Like I thought they were honestly possessed by demons or or like like there, there was something going on there. Like they're crazy. Well, well let's then, do this. Let's do this then. I, I I understand your point that you you've not been exposed to as much. So I think today I'm I'll not saying people and and let me clarify. I'm not saying that people who speak in tongues are crazy or possessed by demons. That's what I thought at one time. Right. Right. I now just think they're full of themselves. I I understand. I understand. <laughs> I understand your point that um you've been exposed to less, but I still think the exercise would be helpful. So why okay. don't you share some of the common misconceptions that you have? heard and then i will fill in all the gaps you leave since you've been with fewer crazies than i have i'm sorry i was reading mike's question or mike's mike's statement i'm pretty sure phil johnson may send me an envelope filled with covid for mistaking <laughs> <him> for <Johnson. laughs> i would i would listen if someone confused me with bill johnson i'd be pretty upset I mean, I feel like Bill Johnson might send you a, a, an envelope filled with covid just to prove that faith is greater than sickness Oh. <laughs> so, right. before we make so before we make any more before we... misconceptions about the holy spirit we already yes. talked about right we already talked about one of them that the holy spirit rather than a person is a thing and instead the holy spirit is a person he is the third person of the trinity um another one i think is that uh people misunderstand the holy spirit and that the holy spirit um has to fill you with with these extravagant gifts, these what we call the sign gifts, right? Mm -hmm. Speaking tongues, the gift of healing and, and things like that, where that I think, and I'm not a full cessationist, um, right? I think, I think I've gone, you and I have gone back and forth and I said, oh, you can either call me a, ca a cautious cessationist or a cautious um, continuationist, depending on how you want to, you want to define those things. So yeah, I know. Look, you're a cessationist in denial. I know. I, I think that God can use, can do miraculous things. I don't mm -hmm. think he gives people, like, I don't think he has healers anymore in the sense of like, oh, um, Luke gets the gift of healing. Therefore he can roll, he can roll everywhere around and just <laughs> bop someone on the head. Like, like uh, what's his nuts? Hold on. I don't want to, I don't want to. Kenny Copeland, your, your uncle and, and um, all the people <laughs> healed when actually it's just, it, it's, it's just a ruse. Which I, don't, is I don't, I don't, I don't want to get, he's a I grifter. I don't want to get derailed into this discussion for too long, but just for the record, what you just described is cessationism. There are cessationists who still believe that God can work supernaturally, right? It's like just I a said, question. I'm a cautious, I'm, I'm, I'm a cautious continuationist. I do believe that, um, I believe that God can give the 
gift of tongues for a time and that that gift of tongues is known languages. So if you, Luke, went on a um, went on a missions trip to Brazil and you didn't speak Portuguese, that if the Lord the Lord has the ability in that moment for you to share the gospel, to give you the ability to speak Portuguese and understand Portuguese or give them the opportunity to speak English that you can hear that he can do that. I think those things actively happen. No, look, uh, you're, you are, you are the type of cessationist that I can work with because you're a cessationist who believes that God can and will work supernaturally, right? There are mm -hmm. some cessationists who are really just Christian naturalists. They basically just deny anything that might be spooky or scary or weird. And you're not that. You acknowledge that God can do weird stuff. You are a cessationist because the whole debate about cessationism versus continuationism is about particular gifts given to particular people. But that's a, that's a, a discussion for another day. Any other misconceptions about the Holy Spirit you want to add before I give my, you know, uh, uh, my endless list? Yeah, that God gives you the ability to speak in some weird alien tongue that sounds like you're, you know, that, I mean, that stuff, man, you don't see that in the scripture. Show me in the scriptures where, where that's present. And then you can change my mind. Hashtag, and, and I'm happy to change my mind. I really am. So more more misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Um, and I've read about half of the book that, that um, Bigford recommended because he recommended it to me like a year and a half ago. Uh, perspectives on Pentecost. I've, I've never read it. Well, you shocker, should. Shocker, a book that I've never read. Uh, okay, some other misconceptions <clears throat> of the Holy Spirit. And some of these will be little catchphrases that, that are, were very popular at one time or another in my circles. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. So this is the idea. This is sort of an understanding of the Holy Spirit that's sort of been mixed in with um, a strict... Uh, a, even if they don't know it, it's just a strict sense of Arminianism, right? It's the idea that the Holy Spirit would never violate someone's will, uh, but that he prods and encourages and persuades. So that I think that's one thing I used to hear a lot, the idea that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Uh, you, I, see, need a you button. Got, I need a heresy button. I need a heresy yeah. button in my office. So when we – that – what kind of – what kind of – do you do you understand do you understand now why when you that is, Bill that Johnson is, and Bethel I just sort of rolled my eyes that is that that is a heresy condemned back uh, it was actually condemned by the Roman Catholic Church at an ecumenical council in uh, I forget what century probably probably Bickford would know because he's smarter than I am Eric, but that I, that's semi Pelagianism bordering on Pelagianism Eric I know you have involuntary response to to uh, um, heresy but you're gonna have to try to keep a lid on it because I have more. And I think it's actually important that we that I mention these because despite the fact that you may not have been exposed to them, many of these were commonly taught uh, in fairly large Christian circles for a fairly large amount of time and probably continue to be. Okay, uh, here's another one. Uh, it's the idea that the, and I think this is probably a good way of sort of summing up misunderstanding of, of spiritual gifts. It's the idea that the, the Holy Spirit is a power source. Um, and this one, this one I think can be tough to, to identify sometimes because the Bible does talk a great deal about the power of the Holy Spirit and the power that the Holy Spirit gives us. But if it's taken too far, the Holy Spirit almost ends up becoming more like a force or uh, uh, like Star Wars, like an electric, yeah, like Star Wars, or like an electric charger, right? 
so people will talk about things like um, we speak in tongues so that we can charge our spirit man. So it's the idea that the Holy Spirit, your spirit, is, man. The, the, I'm, I'm telling you, man. I, look, I've, I'm telling you, I have rolled in these circles a whole lot more than you have. I know the kind of language they use. Uh, so it's the idea that the Holy Spirit is almost like an electrical outlet where you plug in your, your, you, where you plug in the Christians so that they can power up. Um, and then probably one. Are you looking for something to throw or burn? I'm trying to get all of the things that are that I can throw away from. <laughs> I think um, I think there's one more that's probably worth mentioning, which is, and I want to try to I want to try to um, express this one clearly. It's the idea that the Holy Spirit is, mm, and this is this is where we're we're really getting into dangerous territory because it it becomes we're now we're now back dealing with nature again where the holy spirit is just a, like a euphemism for the action of god that there are there are fairly large circles who view the holy spirit as um god's hand or it, it's it's not they don't understand him as a, a distinct person but rather in the same way that you would say eric or that paul would say who knows a man but the spirit of man within him? And then he goes on. This is in um, 1 Corinthians, I think, chapter 3, maybe maybe chapter 2. Um, so they then take that to mean that, like, okay, the Holy Spirit is, is just a term for God who is spirit. And those people get very confused uh, because not only do they not acknowledge the personhood, <laughs> you, need, you need, like, some bright lights and a loud sound and all that. Um, so I, I think, I think probably those are the three big ones I can think of is the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a power source and the Holy Spirit, uh, is just the action of God. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this, Eric, if we, if we, these are all the, the wrong ways of understanding the Holy Spirit. If we care to actually understand the Holy Spirit as he's, as he's revealed himself, what are some key texts we should go to? Because there are a few that come to my mind immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ones we already mentioned. Um, so we mentioned Genesis 1. We mentioned John. Well, not so much John 1, but um, we mentioned Genesis 1. We mentioned Colossians. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the text you had? had, had you came uh, Colossians with? chapter 1. Well, 16 and 17, they don't mention the Spirit. That's talking about Father and Son. <laughs> Josh, Josh Rice says, shouldn't cessation be included in the misconceptions? I was, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be nice to my brother, my brother in the Lord. So, and to not so wait, start so wait. I, I, I genuinely am, I'm genuinely interested. And this is something that I do try to show. Um, what, you want to? You want to like, diverge into the cessationism thing for a minute? I, well, I want. I've not heard a, a a good, or at least for me, what I think yeah. is a good argument for for your version of continuationism. Yeah, um, because I feel like even the people who who ref, who call themselves continuationists feel similar to the way that I do, right? So, um, so I'm interested in you know. So if you're a continuationist, <clears throat> yes. Then uh, I I know you are. Um, so, but I'm still trying to figure. I want to make that clear. <laughs> so, um, but tell me, like, what? Do, how does that practically play out? Like, have you met someone with the gift of healing 
that's not Kenneth Copeland. So um, have you met people that speaking tongues that aren't like, um, you know, the Phil John or Bill uh-huh. Johnson world? Uh-huh. Um, have you, you know, and, and where do you, I, I get the, listen, yeah. I don't see anywhere where, where it stops and, and I don't totally disagree with that, which is why I'm cautious in my uh-huh. view. Of this. Uh-huh. Well, I'm just interested. What's uh. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just say two things and then I'll let you decide how long, cause we could, we could just morph into this and do this for the next 20, 30 minutes, depending on yeah. where you want to go, but yeah. I'll give you the short answer. Okay. First point I would make is that the argument you just made, which is the argument that most cessationists make is an argument from experience. Mm -hmm. So it's the idea that because we see false manifestation of miraculous signs, which I think we certainly see all over the place, Mm -hmm. um, that means the real ones aren't real. And and Mm -hmm. I just flatly reject that. Uh, The other reason is because, uh, (laughs) I'm gonna say this in the harshest way possible because I know that you know that uh, uh, I say it half jokingly. Uh, the other reason I'm a cessation or sorry, a continuationist is because I believe the Bible. So if you go to the <laughs> if, if you go to the end of First Corinthians chapter fourteen, where Paul says, um, "Be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues," I think that still applies. I hundred well listen. I don't disagree with that, which is why I'm a cautious whatever, right? And I consider myself a cautious continuationist. Everybody else is saying that I'm just a cessationist. I disagree. Like I don't. I'm not saying that we should trifle tongues, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that we see in the scriptures. My understanding is that we see known tongues, and that when someone is speaking in tongues, whatever tongue that might be. So even if it's an unknown tongue, mm-hmm. there is to be someone who is interpreting. Yes. Without a doubt. I have only well, been in, in the I've only seen speaking in tongues. Let me finish. Oh, I'm, right. I, I, I'm I've only seen speaking in tongues a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. And it freaked me out to the point that that's that it made me so uncomfortable. And it made me uncomfortable because one, it wasn't something that I had had experienced before, like it, at least seeing. But two, um, no one was translating. Like, mm-hmm. how is, how is this happening? You know, it's, you might as well just take your pants down in the middle of preaching. Like this is, that would be <laughs> as okay as, as speaking in tongues without an interpreter, because Paul clearly outlines, if you believe first Corinthians 14, then you have to believe all of it. Right. So if you believe speaking in tongues is normative for the church, right. Then you have to believe what else he says about having an interpreter. Yeah, yeah. Look, well, I, when I say I believe the Bible and I quote 1 Corinthians 14, I actually believe all of 1 Corinthians 14. So I agree with you that if okay. you're going to have public speaking in tongues, if you like the only way to do that in a way that honors Christ in the body is to have an interpreter. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm in agreement with you there. I think the, the issue I tend to have, um, we may have to, we may have to, I don't know if we've actually done this yet. We've, we've chosen not to so far because probably because you're not a committed enough cessationist to want to fight about this. I think Bickford's a bit more, um, a bit more firm on the cessationist view. So maybe we should bring on someone, someone like him to actually fight about this with. I think the thing that I run into when it comes to uh, the cessationists is when they get to first Corinthians 13 and 14, the interpretations they have to give, I find just absolutely uh, atextual. Like they, the, the gymnastics they have to do uh, are, are, are just phenomenal, which is, which is 
amazing because most cessationists, not all, but most are very, very faithful exegetes. I mean, mm-hmm. I think of a guy like John, John MacArthur. He is, he is so close to the text. Um, but then he gets to the, uh, the end of 1 Corinthians 13 and basically all of 1 Corinthians 14, especially the ending. And the explanations that he and others give, I find just completely off the wall. Uh, I think a clear, a clear, plain reading of the text uh, it, it requires you to come to some view of continuationism. And that doesn't mean that you then have to accept every uh, nonsensical, weird thing that you see happening in a place that claims to be a church. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, like you, like I'll put John Piper and John MacArthur next to one another, right? Yeah, so yeah. MacArthur, as Bickford says, is hyper cessationist. Um, he actually held an entire conference about it called Strange Fire and has and has a book written about it. I have not read the book. Um, John Piper, from my understanding, I've not heard it from his mouth, but I've heard it from others characterizing John Piper as a mm-hmm. continuationist. Now, and, and they're both Bible guys, right? Like, yeah. They're students of the Bible, teachers of the Bible, faithful men of God. Um, not without flaws, but faithful. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think John Johnny Mack is probably more flawed than John Piper, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, John Piper, however, I would be interested in how he articulates his continuationism. Um, you know, how how does is he is he more like myself, who like I'm like you? I don't see in the scriptures where these sign gifts cease. However, I do think that the argument that the the purpose of the sign gifts if it, it, it is to offer great proof in that first century of all of these apostles and the witnesses of Jesus to carry out the gospel it was like it was like a cosign i get that i'm not saying i'm convinced sure. right like you don't look at me like that i say uh, like no, I, no, I, I, well, I am going i'm going to push back though cuz we're doing this now we're doing it okay. whether or not we wanted to um I, I have heard that argument. It's very common in cessationist circles, and I can't find it in scripture. I, I mean, I, under, I understand it's an argument from, from deduction. You sort of you, you make a logical deduction that, well, we see, we see the manifestation of sign gifts at the time that the apostles are sharing the gifts. So that's the purpose for them. But there's not actually like a place in the New Testament that they can point me to to support that view. So it seems to me like what they're actually doing is making a perfectly logical argument so that they they can do away with that weird stuff. Uh, Have you ever met anyone who is, who has the gift of divine healing? Not I, not King Copeland. I I think so, but but this is where you and I might differ again. I don't accept the cessationist argument that in order to have a gift of divine healing you have to be like Peter or Jesus and everyone you touch gets healed. Uh, Why? And, and That's in the text. Be, because I also read places where... Uh, all right, let, let's go 1 Corinthians uh, 13 for a moment, right? Okay. Uh, what is your understanding of seeing through the glass darkly and, and you know, a, a man gets rid of childish ways when the perfect comes? Do, do you view the perfect as the Bible, the way that most cessationists do? Say that again, because I don't think I understand your question because I'm not valedictorian. <laughs> well, I also, I, I was very muddled. Let me actually turn to the okay. passage so I can say it more clearly. First Corinthians chapter 13, which is talking about spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, love never fails where there are prophecies they'll they'll cease where there are tongues they'll be stilled where there's knowledge it will pass away for we know in part and prophesy in part but when perfection comes the imperfect disappears do you interpret perfection as the new testament scriptures um, I probably have to, I, I don't want to make a statement on this right, okay. right now because I feel like I'd have to study it a bit more, but I do think, I do think the canon's closed. So I think, I think when we miss, I think we can misunderstand prophecy in that in much of the scriptures, when we see prophecy, mm -hmm. it's not the way that we consider prophecy as a, as in a um, prediction of future events. Prophecy right. most often is actually a judgment. It's yep. actually a judgment from God, right? So yep. that's why I think, you know, when you think of, of preaching, to me, prophetic preaching is mm -hmm. that type of preaching in which you are articulating and calling people, calling God's people back to God yep. based on, on, on the judgment of the scriptures. So, yeah. And, and this is, you bring up prophecy. So I don't view the, the spiritual gift of prophecy as necessitating infallibility on the part of the prophet. Uh, I actually distinguish between the, uh, uh, the revelation of the word of God in scripture and the, 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 the spiritual gift of prophecy, because I think 1 Corinthians 13, I understand you don't, you're not willing to make a hard statement on it. That's okay. I appreciate your honesty, but I will. I think that section of 1 Corinthians 13, where it says we know in part and prophesy in part, makes it very clear that the spiritual gifts are not, uh, are, are not in any way offering infallibility to those who exercise them. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to accept well, I don't that. Think, I don't think any, I don't think you even look at, at all the prophets or, or any, you know, throughout scripture and say right. there's only one perfect prophet, right? And that's Christ. Sure. Yeah. So, so that's for sure. I mean, there's no doubt there. Now, if what you're saying in the midst of prophesying, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, in, in the kind of prophecy that we're that we're talking about, um, just as an example, just be, this comes to mind because we just started a series in First Samuel, um, here here at Hickory Grove, mm -hmm. is that when Samuel speaks for God, he's getting that word from God. That speaking right. on behalf of God is perfect and infallible. That's why some, when someone tells me or, or someone suggests, listen, God told me this, right? Mm -hmm. You have to ask what chapter, what verse, <laughs> what book, right? Wow. Yeah, so we're, we're so different on that, this. If God tells you, wow. if God told, listen, God told me that you need to go do this. Well, chill. Once God tells me I need to go do that, unless you have unless you have book chapter verse, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm can, not. I'm, I'm a bit skeptical. Can I can I challenge you on a little bit of a personal level? Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Sure. I'm all for challenges. Why did you become a pastor? Uh, because the pay is great. <laughs> besides, besides the obvious of the pay and the hours and the I'm benefits, just, and <laughs> I mean, you only have to work one day a week. I mean, what? Um, so, so why did I become a pastor? Yeah, I became a I pastor. Mean, I mean, oh, sorry. Let me let you answer. Yeah. So I became a pastor because I had a, um, this innate desire that I couldn't shake to go into the ministry. And along the way, God, where, opened, hold on, hold on. Where do you think that desire came from? From God. 
But I'm not so, saying that he audibly told me, Eric, you shall become a pastor. What would you um, say that God led you to become a pastor? Yes. Can you give me chapter and verse? No, because that's different than saying God leading you and God saying like verbally uh, saying. Right. So I what think- we see. I, I just I, I see it a little bit different. I guess there's some nuance there, right? Yeah, I I, th- I think you're playing with words a little bit there. I'm uh, not. I'm trying to be specific. I think you're trying to speak too generally. And I and I, we when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when we're talking about God speaking to people, yeah, you very much have to get into the weeds. What do we mean by that? Because God speaks. Listen, Luke. God speaks through His Word first and foremost. He speaks through His Word, I and agree. He and He uses the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit Himself, who indwells you, mm-hmm. opens up your eyes and gives you wisdom in interpreting and understanding the Scriptures. Yes, so I agree. You look at that and go. This is how God speaks today, right? And He can, yes give you this sense of almost an intuition or a sense of calling or a sense of going to do this or, or going to do that. Mm-hmm. This is, right. So, so the spirit can nudge, but not, I, I, you know, listen, <laughs> I'm not saying the Holy spirit can't, uh, this is, uh, hold on, I, hold on. I want to, I want to ask you another question. I want to ask you another mm-hmm. question. This is, I, I think this is a, an important one. Do you um, teach your people to listen when they pray? Do I teach them to listen? Yes. Do you, is that, is that part, do you view that as part of the discipline of prayer, of listening for God? And I, I don't mean what, that you're what do you mean by audible listening? voice. Okay. So, I, I, so that's, I mean, that's what I'm at. That's what I'm going to ask. What do you mean by listen? Because when you say listen, I'm thinking auditory. auditory. So, you, so you, so you think God cannot, well, not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you think he's limited. I'm saying you think he's made a choice that he will not speak in in any sort of audible way because that would in some way undermine this. I don't, first off, I don't think he undermines it. Right. So so, that's my point though, is you think if he were, you think if he were to speak in that way, that that would, that would in some way undermine what he's, what he's spoken in scripture. I, I'm not saying that it undermines. No. Here's. Can God speak audibly? Yes. Sure. Is it normative in that it happens to, to every believer and on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Uh, sure. I, I'm, I'm with you there. Okay. And that's another, it that's another like- miss. Real quick, that's another misconception about the Holy Spirit that a lot of people have. Is and that this is why we have to yeah. have these conversations, right? Is to clarify because it's really easy to put people in camps that they really don't belong. Um, just like like I've I've read stories about you know thousands, maybe more, of Muslims being awoken in their dreams, having a vision of Jesus Christ in the Middle East in Did, a place okay. where there's no Bible. I believe that that happens. Like Do you I believe that. Do you believe that Jesus spoke to them in the dream? I have I have no reason to doubt it. Okay. But I also look at those circumstances and go, they have no Bible. They have no one else who's able to preach the gospel to them, right? Mm-hmm. So can Jesus do that? Yeah, absolutely. Is it yeah. normative? No, right? I don't think that's normative. I don't I- think that. You're you're not going to get an argument from me that it should be normative, right? Right. What what I what I can't figure out is 
and may, maybe it's because you don't fit as nicely and neatly into a box as most cessationists I've met do. Okay, so I'll, I'll admit, I'll admit cautious continuationist. There's there's some there's some nuance in your view, which I appreciate. cautious, cautious continuation. Um, all right, all right. Let me let me take one more line of questioning, and then we'll try to get back to Holy Spirit before we wrap up. Okay. okay. Do you do you think that everything God has ever spoken to to a man, right, um, is recorded in Scripture? Is every word that God's ever spoken recorded in the Scripture? No. No. Okay. So is the fact that those other revelations exist, does that in some way undermine or, or delegitimize the authority of the written word? No, I don't think so. Right. So uh, I don't think so either. And I have no problem with the idea that God could speak to a particular person about a particular thing. And I'm not saying it's normative. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that it's commonplace. I'm not saying that every Christian should expect it to happen. But... Uh, I reject the cessationist argument that if God, you know, if, if anyone says that God said something to them, then they are in some way claiming the same authority as scripture. Uh, mm -hmm. Because there are plenty, the, the scripture itself records, uh, you know, stories about in the New Testament prophets who would prophesy. And those prophecies are not included in scripture. So, so it seems as though God can speak and not include it in his inscripturated word. Let me clarify one thing. Okay. Luke, if you were to come to me tomorrow, yes. you called me. Yes. And you said, listen, the Lord audibly spoke to me. Yes. All right. My response, first off, if that happens, hey, let me know. I'd like to know because I'm not <laughs> like, and, right? Like, so I, so I try, like, I it don't. Hasn't, it hasn't it happened. Happen. It hasn't happened so far in my life, but I'm okay. willing, I'm willing for it to happen. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and if it does, unless the Lord in the midst of that says, "Hey, don't tell anybody or don't tell Eric," I want you to tell him, right? And and I'll do the same, right? Yeah. I will, we'll do like a we'll do like a a, a pop up broadcast, man. We'll do an we'll do but, an exchange <laughs> words yeah. from the Lord. <laughs> so, um, and, and and really, it's probably unfair to joke about these because I think this is I don't think this is something that we should really joke too much about because I do think that that is if God speaks to you audibly, I mean that is a miracle, that is a blessing, that is incredible, um, and that's something that I think is just would be an, an amazing thing for a believer. Sure. So, um, but if someone like yourself were to come to me and share that, yeah, I'm not going to immediately say, Luke. You're a heretic or Luke, <laughs> you're an idiot, right? What I'm going to right? So if you told me, so first off, I'd say, what did God tell you to do? Right. Now, if you said, listen, God told me that <laughs> I have, I have to leave my wife uh -huh. and I have to go and, and like, he's given me this woman over here. Yes. I'd say, Luke, that's not from the Lord. That is from Satan. And you need to repent. You need to go back to your wife. Right. Do not do what you think was said. Right. Now, right. So now if you told me, listen, Eric, the Lord told me that I am to remain at my church for the next mm -hmm. 50 years. And in mm -hmm. 50 years, in one day, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go, hey, that doesn't that doesn't go against scripture. That doesn't you know, that 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 seems like something that is valid. Oh, you, you might be, a, you're, you're right. You might be a cautious continuationist because that surprises me. Okay. I might've, I might've, I might've might lumped you in a category that you don't belong. 
However, <laughs> before you lump me in any categories, let me get <laughs> however, right? So, however, I, I would ask this. Why was it necessary for God to say that to you, right? So, I, I, so was oh, it sorry. Let you? I need to let you finish. Continue. I'm sorry. So was it necessary for God to say that to you because of the of the place you're at spiritually where you were considering leaving your church or um, some sort of trial going on in your life and you were seeking the Lord in the midst of your prayer? Um, and, and this is how he responded. I, I think that's – is it possible? Certainly, man, with God – all things are possible. It is sure. within his. It is within his purview. He's the creator of the universe. He's the sustainer of his people, um, and I think that he will provide those types of things for us when we are in need. I think. Yeah. I think more accurately, if you are in the midst of some sort of crisis um, at your church where you thought, "Man, maybe it's time for me to go," I think that God operates more. And and you have not said that you're in any sort of crisis. So right. I just want clear that's I'm why def I, i'm definitely not leaving my wife for another woman either <laughs> <laughs> let's just be clear about that right um so i think more often than not he's going to provide wise counsel in your life counsel yeah. in his word right so we'd probably turn to the pastoral epistles mm -hmm. we'd also you know he give you um good godly men mm -hmm. and wise counsel for yeah. people that have been there before so that you can navigate those things and he would see you through it yeah, yeah. And can he pull you? Like, can he, like, in your guts, give you this intuition of of right and wrong? What's the right direction? I certainly believe that. But, sure. but man, Christians, man, we can get so bogged down in like what we're feeling, and it's not constrained by the truth. And yeah. and we can often confuse needing to go to the bathroom with a move of the Holy Spirit. Um, we can. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm 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 being honest. This. Is, it, it, it's in my so, experience, in my, in my experience, it's, yes. it's, is God doing this? Is this a move of the Holy Spirit? It's like, no, it, I'm actually, it, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Cause you actually bring up another very common misconception of the Holy Spirit that I missed, which is that the Holy Spirit is evidenced by feeling. I can't tell you how many times uh, people, people would say like, you know, I got the Holy ghost bumps today. So I know that the Holy Spirit was here. Now, I want to be clear about something that you might not like. I believe in the Holy Ghost bumps. I think that can be a real thing. But that is not the evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit is fruit in keeping with repentance. Boom. But, but Boom. if there's a whole bunch of other weird stuff that comes with it, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Listen, I... I've said I've had to say this a few times yeah. because there are things about church that there's a great book um, by McCracken, Brett McCracken. I read it a number of years ago called Uncomfortable, and he talks about the mm -hmm. beauty of the uncomfortable nature of the church. Right. Mm -hmm. So I forget if he's a continuationist and he's at a cessationist church or vice versa. And he's like, this is really an uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm. uh, however, this is the beauty of God's people. It's what mm -hmm. unites. Right. So yeah, yeah. I have even in my own church had times where I felt uncomfortable about yeah. something. And I know it's my responsibility. And, and and I've actively done this. I go, man, I might be uncomfortable, but the Lord is using this to expand my understanding of how he works. Mm -hmm. So so I think that's important. I, I do think it's it's important for us to be open minded. I think this is an open hand issue. Um, yeah. It's not that we should be closed handed on. 
Um, especially like it seems, it seems like we're fairly close, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll say this too. I'm even, I'm not, I know like hard cessationists who I can, I can still call brother. Right. Um, and, and I really do object to, I think continuationism is the clear biblical teaching, but I've heard continuationists who will try to suggest that if you're a cessationist, then you can't, you can't really know the gospel. Um, I think cessationists are are seriously misguided in their understanding, but that's not that's that doesn't mean well, that they don't the they understand the gospel. The widely held Pentecostal and charismatic belief is that, um, and and it's not everyone. There aren't it's not all charismatics, and it might not be all Pentecostals. Sure. But that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. Um, you're right. not saved, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And I've, and I've had a handful of conversations, and I mean probably four, five, six conversations with folks who've come out of that mm-hmm. and got. Dude, there was so much pressure on me to learn how to speak in tongues. So I just started saying what other people were saying. So like, so I look at that and go, yep. how many people are just yep. in those churches that are faking it until they make it, right? And I yep. feel bad for those folks. And I'm not saying they're not Christian. I'm saying that it's it's a form of spiritual abuse. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I knew so, I knew someone who they attended a school that was very Pentecostal and there was actually a class they had to take where they would teach you to speak in tongues. And the only way to pass the class was to speak in tongues. But here's, here's the thing I would say. That right? is so, insane. Yes. There's lots of that. I, crazy... think, I, I think, I think that's demonic. I really uh, do. I think, I think it's Satan's stranglehold on that sect and, and it ends up pushing people out of the faith. Oh no, I'll tell you what, in, in many of those places, not all, but in many of those places, speaking in tongues is the gospel. I mean, it's a false gospel. We need to call it what it is. Um, with that said, the, I think there are some cessationists, and I'm not accusing you of this because you have really you. I'm I'm coming around to your your own label for yourself. Okay, uh-huh. so you've you've sort of shown me some nuance. I'm well, not saying you're this way. I, 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 I to please you, Luke. But but I I know many con- I know many cessationists who have seen that kind of spiritual abuse mm-hmm. and those kinds of false gospels, and that is their evidence for their cessationism. And I would say that is a rejection of scripture along the very same lines. Because the, the people who say that um, speaking, you must speak in tongues in order to, to, be saved, to be saved, right? To be a Christian. They've not read 1 Corinthians where Paul says, he asks the question, do all speak in tongues? And the obvious answer is no. Like he's asking the question with the obvious answer of no, not all speak in tongues. I would just say that I think it's it's maybe not quite as harmful, but it's just as it's a very similar mistake to look mm-hmm. at First Corinthians 14, where it says, don't forbid speaking in tongues and don't despise prophecy and say, well, that applied to first century Christians. Those things aren't around anymore. We sort of uh, uh, that's good. We sort of left left the topic a little bit. I, let me close with this, because uh, uh, before we got here, we were talking about important passages for understanding the Holy Spirit. Uh, I regard the upper room discourse in the book of John, John 14, 15, 16, as um, may, maybe the single most important uh, uh, section in terms of understanding the spirit. Because it's there that we actually see the son of God telling us why he sends the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and much of our, much of the common misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit, while there's certainly misunderstandings of his nature um, there are misunderstandings of, I mean, that we add all sorts of things from our favorite authors and songs. Um, 
I think the primary misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit is a misunderstanding of his purpose, mm -hmm. what it is that he is accomplishing in his church. And Jesus tells us so clearly right there in John 14, 15, and 16. Look, I think we should end with another great funny headline. I agree. But before we close, I want to say this. I think it doesn't have to happen right away, but mm -hmm. at some point uh, this year, I think we should bring on a real cessationist and have, have that discussion in full force because you're you a little what? bit, you're too close to me to really fight me. There are others who would take great offense at some of the things I said. We should, uh, I'd say we should email John MacArthur, but I don't think he has a computer. And I'm not saying that because he's, he's older. I'm saying that because like, I legit, like I thought I read somewhere, like the guy doesn't, he's not on the internet anywhere. Well, that's he what, uh, that's what, what he has built for. I heard him. At, yeah, exactly. His understudy, his, his, his gopher. Um, so I actually remember it was, Oh, who was it? Oh, no, it was R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul was talking about how he doesn't use the Internet. Mm -hmm. um, I heard it in an interview that he had, and he said, oh, I heard the the Ligonier Ministries site is really good. And he was asking the person, is it? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. And he was like, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> um, by the way, if you're looking for a podcast, check out Renewing Your Mind. Um, it has a lot of guys like in the sphere of RC Sproul. It's, mo it's probably like 80% RC Sproul on there. Oh, my goodness. It's the it, it's the best. And it's usually sermons or Q&As or all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. So headlines. Headlines. Luke, this is the headline. Why America is losing the toilet race. <laughs> wow. Man, that, that is the best. You picked the perfect closer. Read that again. Why America is losing the toilet race. I can only assume this is something to do with Japan producing more toilets. Or I'm sorry, China. Actually, what is that? No, it said Japan. It said Japan. Japan. <laughs> yeah. But when I first read the see, head, see, when I first read the headline, I thought, are we just going to the bathroom? Eric, are we more full of poop than everybody else? Eric, did okay, that was funny. But also, did you hear that evidence of prophecy there? I didn't know it was Japan. And then it was <laughs> <laughs> then why would you by the way, that is a joke, and it's slight, and I know it's sort of, it, it borders on sacrilegious. I didn't mean it. Yes, heresy alert. Heresy alert. <laughs> um, so you, myself, and Mike, because Mike's going to be filling in for you for a couple mm -hmm. more weeks, um, because somehow you just keep getting suspended every week. I don't know what's up with that, but... Man, I, I really yeah. got to work on my behavior. I think it was—I think it today it was probably because of the things that I said about uh, John MacArthur and Phil Johnson. That's probably what got me today. Thou shall not speak against your Phil fellow Baptist. <laughs> How dare you call us Baptists, Eric? Um. Oh, I th so we were talking in a group chat. We might do just kind of, we might end up doing a series on kind of systematic theology type stuff, like what we talked about today. Yeah, so, we, let, let's, talk about let's talk about doctrines, because who knows how many other Luke Copelands are out there who've come to theological conclusions based on Carmen songs. <laughs> and I want you to know, until um, this whole week, I'm just going to listen to only Carmen, unless he's so bad I can't stand it. No, you're going to love it. If you like the old school hip hop, it's so good. 
there's um so there's a couple you can check out the ambassador is really good um along with the cross movement i found them to be really good and of course shylin shylin takes the cake for me he's he's the best so it's pretty great have you actually have you reached out to him about coming on the show i might shylin yeah there's no way shylin would come on the show we got chris date ref tunes and chris date are are phil johnson's to um to you know and um you know what i'm gonna do do this week i'm gonna reach out to shylin and i'm gonna reach out to bethel church and see if we can get anybody no no we are not no we are not getting bethel church on this program (laughs) (laughs) there is we will i no no way you're not doing that. I'm so excited. I'm so excited I, to have I uh I Shylin, man. I, I don't know what we talked to him about. because uh, he's first off, he's smarter than you and I combined. Um Valedictorian, please. Listen, I don't care what kind of fake honors you have. Uh, <laughs> Shylin is so intelligent. Um his his ability to to rap about theology, like what I tell people is each each song of his is like a chapter of a systematic theology. It's so mm-hmm. good, and if you can if you can just listen to Shylin songs, you will be infinitely better off in your own spiritual walk. Like if that's all you listen to, it would be great. Mm. Um, but I, I, have a, I, I, have a I do have a friend. I have a fr- this this goes along our lines. I have a okay. friend who um, is in seminary. So I say he's a friend of mine. He actually listens to the program. Um, I play hockey with him. And he's in seminary with a guy called the Ambassador. He's a he's a um, he's a Christian rapper, and he's uh, you know he's he's not Shylin, but he's up there, man. He's I mean he's you know he's so he's than us. so since we went long today, which I do not mind at all. I thought this was a really fun episode. Um, I'm not going to be able to do a bonus show today, so maybe for the last ten minutes we could do sort of a public bonus show about. Um, Richard, since he's our listener, he, he brought up he prefers Christian rock. So I'd love to talk about Christian rock for a few minutes. Uh, Richard, I have a question. Is Creed your favorite Christian rock band? Wait, are they a Christian rock band? <laughs> They've got to be, right? <laughs> Look at the name. I hate I hate Creed. When Creed came out, they are the epitome of butt rock, man. What, what, was, what was the name of their lead singer, Scott Sapp? Yeah, I don't know. But Scott I'll, something? I don't. Usually I do care. Like I don't want to offend anybody, but if you like Creed, like here, okay. right here, okay. if, that's the worst. If, if you, if you were forced for the next, so the next 24 hours, you're locked into your office and there is one band playing for the next 24 hours. Right. And you can't put in head, no, block your ears or anything. Uh-huh. Um, Creed or Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of it? No, I would, I would kill myself. I would no, but but seriously, Richard, my my mental health is so volatile that I would not be able to handle it. Uh, but no, I, I did seriously want to ask Richard some of his favorite uh, Christian rock. Okay, he likes Skillet. I like old school Skillet. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the new stuff, but I like uh, what was what was the album Monster? They did a really great uh, album uh, that had like some really spooky minor stuff going on. And they're like an electronic rock band, so they crushed it. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I think I'm old enough now that I've sort of gotten crotchety about all the music I used to like. 
So like, I don't like the new Newsboys. I don't like new Skillet. I don't like new DC Talk. And uh, I think it's just because they don't sound like they used to. I, when it comes to Christian rock, I'm, see, I'm, I like all kinds of rock, right? Like, so I like some of the easy going, like 70s rock. Like I like Van Morrison. Um, <laughs> however, I really enjoy some good death metal. Mm-hmm. Um, for Like when I was, and not just death metal, but like hard, hard music. So uh, when I was younger, I loved Rage Against the Machine, man. Like I was a huge Rage Against the Machine fan. And mm-hmm. for some reason, like it would, if I was stressed out, or, or like just wild, it would calm me down. Wow. Um, well, I like to listen to, there's a, a band that someone recommended called A Hill to Die Upon. Mm-hmm. And it's a Christian death metal band. And yes. they are phenomenal. And I even like sent it to a friend of mine who's all, who like, I'm not huge into death metal, but I sent him in, sent it to somebody else. Come to find out, like there are death metal magazines that think this band is excellent, even though like there are a lot of Christian themes in their music. Yes. Um, a really great Christian rock band, and all, all they do is hymns, like old school hymns with new music, is Ascend the Hill. They Ascend do a version of The Love of God, which rocks my socks off. And you would not think that that song would be able to, but they they rock it up, man. And, they, and they're so faithful to the old, the old texts. Uh, so it's fantastic words, but like really good uh, modern rock music. You know what we should do? We, do you have Spotify? I sure do not. What's wrong with you? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't have things that I have to sign up for or pay for. What do you, what do you listen to? The YouTube. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, this is what we can do. Why don't you, you should make a um, like a, a a YouTube playlist, and I'm gonna oh make a Spotify playlist, and then we could share that with. With our banter club members, Eric, I finally have something I can share with the banter club members. This yes, is this is a formative do. moment for me. This is a great idea, Richard. This is why Richard's our favorite. He, first off, he's the only one that engages and might be the only one who listens to um, our 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 tailgate episodes. And this yeah. is what it's like, right? Like this is this is kind of Richard can speak to this. This is kind of how our tailgate episodes go. We don't really engage with the audience because just us. And um, more free flowing. We talk. We've talked about politics. We've talked about race. We've talked about. I don't know. Man, the the whole gamut. So we talked about music. Yeah, we talked about music today. Yeah. So I don't know. That, that, the are there any other good Christian? Uh, my wife told me that there were some like. Um, she didn't grow up in a Christian home, and there were some bands who were like more punk rock bands, um, that were, that were Christian. So this is where we start um, to, yeah, this is where we start to get into this sort of gray area where you have bands that are that are um, just out and out. They call themselves Christian bands, but they don't necessarily write exclusively Christian music. And then you have secular bands whose members were largely Christian and so had lots of Christian themes. When you start to get into this Christian rock stuff, I like a lot of it in terms of listening, but it's difficult to say how much of it is, like, how do you, what does something have to have to be considered Christian music? Mm -hmm. Uh, If all the members are Christians and and it has Christian themes, but it doesn't name Christ. 
well, what if it's actually an explicitly Christian band and they write that kind of music, but then they also write breakup songs? It gets kind of murky. Well, listen, one of the problems I have with, with a lot of Christian music is that it doesn't really speak to the human condition all that much. And I think that that's an important part. Like, and, and listen, if I err on anything, I err towards like exalting God in all things. Okay. Yeah. So, so I need to make that clear, but I do think it's important for us to reflect on our human nature and the things yes. that we go through. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I think it's important for us to feel our feelings as, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that's, that's a good and productive thing because it reminds us that 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 God is is pulling us from there. He's he's our comfort in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. So listen, a breakup song, cool. Um, don't confuse that with like breaking up with Jesus, right? <laughs> um, like a lot of the songs that Hillsong and 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 a lot of these other ones, like you, they don't even mention Jesus or God explicitly. They just like it could be them singing to their boyfriend. Um, um, have you, have you heard much from, I know like you've probably heard the one or two songs that blew up, but have you ever actually listened to a full album from uh, switchfoot? No, but I do um, remember like the couple songs that blew up. I'm a big fan of John Foreman as a Christian artist. I think if anyone were ever actually to able to like sit down and pin him down on theology that I would find out he's pretty far left. Uh, and I'm not saying politically, I mean, theologically, but in terms of just like his ability as a songwriter um, and definitely writes, has written some songs that while they're not, they don't explicitly mention the name of God, it'd be difficult for them to be about anything else. But I think has also written a lot of stuff that just speaks to human experience. That's great. I think probably John Foreman might, might be one of my favorites in terms of uh, that, that world of Christian rock. Hmm. And he's the, he's the, um, the lead man of switchfoot red so i was never into red uh but i my brother loved that band for a while they were they were a really good hard rock christian band man we really digress we went all over the place today we talked about what do you i mean you were you were probably smacked up in the middle of it so i like um do you remember the band flyleaf yeah so i mean flyleaf was big when i was in high school um you were probably in kindergarten um i'm two years younger than you just kidding um so you were so they would have been pretty big when you were in school too um but i I hadn't realized until only a couple of years ago that the at least the lead singer i don't know about the rest of the band but she is a christian and um Mm -hmm. like there's the song i'm so sick that like Mm -hmm. killed it man like i i listen to that song even now and it, um, I mean, it's just a powerful song. I think yeah. like I love her voice. Her voice is, is cutting. Like, it, it, I don't know. It, there's just something about it and the lyrics and, and there's an expression of, at least for me. And again, I think if I understand things correctly, she's talking about an addiction to drugs. Mm-hmm. I think it was heroin. that might've been, but again, I, mm-hmm. I think I'm going off of memory. So don't quote me on that. Um, but I just remember like some music like this and others, that mm-hmm. it was what I like. I felt like it was empathetic to my situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have a great childhood. Like I had a lot of stuff going on, and and I needed this kind of music, even the secular kind that really takes me back and reminds me of 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 the work that God has has pulled me out of. Well, look, this is this is just where art gets very subjective and complicated, right? 
there are lots of songs that I would say should not be sung in the church as part of the worship service that could be very edifying for a particular Christian because it speaks to something in their own experience that, that draws them nearer to God. But this mm-hmm. is where I think we have to draw that line between God working individually and God working corporately. Yeah. I, I can think of some songs that were written by non-Christians with, with non-Christian ideas in mind, but when I hear the song, it's just colored by the cross. I'm mm-hmm. not going to sing that song in the worship service, but I'm also not going to be ashamed of the way that God's used that piece of art uh, mm-hmm. in a way that the author didn't intend. Yeah. That's good. They, let's see. They have an old song called Cassie. Oh man. Yeah. Those, those, uh, those rock bands and punk rock bands, they, they touch all kinds of stuff. Oh, one more artist before I let us go. This is completely left field. Cause it's not rock. Um, are you familiar at all with Sufjan Stevens? Nope. All right. He's, he's going to go on my playlist because he's another one of those guys. He's not, again, theologically, I think if you were to sit down with him and pin him down, uh, we wouldn't have much in common. But as an artist, he's a fantastic composer and writer, and he is unafraid. He actually, I, I thought of him because of Richard's comments about the song about Columbine. He wrote one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard about John Wayne Gacy Jr. Um, and, and do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just wrote, wrote a gorgeous song about a serial killer. Uh, and his, he, so he, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he also wrote early, early in his career, he wrote some very religious stuff that I, I, I don't know any other way to say it. I don't think it probably had much theological substance, but nevertheless, it spoke to me in ways that drew me nearer to God. Uh, so I don't know if that's credit to Sufjan Stevens or just credit to the Lord for using imperfect vessels, but I'm going to include him on the playlist too. How often do you listen to, I mean, what's your balance of secular music versus Christian music? I think what I've had to learn about myself is that for me, it's not so much about balancing Christian versus secular as it is about balancing messages. So mm-hmm. there are certain types of secular music that I enjoy listening to that get really poisonous for me very quickly because of the subject material. Um, I know, for example, and I'm not saying all of these genres are like this, but when it comes to like the stuff that's on the radio, popular rap and country music uh, gets real, real corruptive for me really quickly because the messaging about what it is that we want in life uh, it, it just, it just, uh, it's amazing how quickly, like I start thinking the way that those artists do, or at least the way that they present themselves as thinking. So I don't worry too much about secular versus Christian. I have had to learn to be very discerning in terms of how much, uh, uh messaging I let get into my head. And that could be Chris, that could be Christian or secular music. I think there's some allegedly Christian music that has some messaging that's just harmful and, because I'm such a musical person, I'm very vulnerable to, to the messaging of those songs. And I, it took me a little while to realize that. I used to believe what some people claim, which is that like, oh yeah, I can just listen to the beat or I can just listen to the music and not worry about the words. But for me, the words always get in. So that's what I'm more concerned about. I, I don't agonize over labels, but I try to be aware of my own heart and what it is that what I'm listening to, how it's affecting that. That's wise. That's very wise. I think there are some people who are not as easily influenced. I've just had to come to the term terms with the fact that I am. Mm-hmm. 
but but in some ways that can be a good thing too because if you're choosing music that has god honoring messages that gets into mm-hmm. yeah for sure should we call I, it there i think that's it this dude this might be this is a top three episode i think that we did i today. had fun i had yeah. fun uh and you um uh, I know I, I know I pressed you a little bit, but I felt I felt that you held your own. Your your categorization of yourself may end up being accurate after all when it comes you know, to spiritual gifts. The uh, the strange thing about me, my friend, is that it seems that no matter where I find myself in life, I've always felt like I never fit into a you know an absolute category. Eric, you are an enigma wrapped in a riddle, shrouded in mystery, and that's why you're an Advent Christian. You belong here, baby. I don't know, man. I don't well, know. Welcome to the island of misfit toys. <laughs> All right, guys. And with that note, um, Luke and I will be uh, departing for the day. So God bless hey, you. Take care. We love you. Gang, next week, Mike Alex will be back on. Don't miss that. Yeah, he's way better. <laughs> I like him better. Bye, everybody. Bubble and Vanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bubble and